Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, and welcome to episode three. Yeah, and what a week it has been for our boys in red and black. I'm here sat down wearing my Premier League red and black shirt, and I'm wearing that because, in my opinion, we're safe. Oh, he's come out and said it early on. It's a a good shirt, Sam. (laughs) Now, I've gone a little bit more old school. I've gone for the 1998 to 2000, I think it was, the green and black stripe away shirt. It was Mm. the opposite of the red and black we wore to Wembley. And uh, I really like the green. Very uh, classic Ted McDougall type. But uh, it's possibly most famous for being worn by Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butt in the Russell Beardsmore testimonial game. Yeah, I certainly remember that game really well. Now, coming up on this week's show, we bring you your fan thoughts from both the Southampton and the Newcastle games. Yeah, we'll discuss both matches and then Sam's going to bring us all the news on what went down on social media over the past seven days. I certainly will. And then Sean will keep you up to date with the latest AFCB club news. Yeah, Sam's then got a kind of interesting conversation starter feature this week. It's all about fan chance. So we know lots of people have opinions about that. So we really want to get you thinking about your favourite songs. And then in the supporter profile this week, we welcome Gary Sky Blue Cherries and listen up for his idea for a new Callum Wilson chant. Yeah, he's written the words and everything. So he's still got to perfect it, but he wants to get that ringing around when Wilson steps back on the pitch. Wow. So then after that, we're going to preview the Cherries' upcoming game at home to Swansea City. Yeah, and stay tuned to hear how you can win two tickets to that game thanks to AFCB's official shirt sponsor, Mansion. So all that is coming up in your latest episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Superb. So let's begin with what you guys thought of the Southampton game. And our first clip is from lifelong Cherries fan Steve Wright. But first, let's hear the views of Republic of Ireland international Ray Houghton. Southampton just came off of a, a bad defeat the weekend as well. So maybe they weren't really at their best tonight. But it was a huge game. You know, when it's a derby match, you know, it's normally a bit feisty. Tackles are flying in. And who's who's the one that stands up to it? The physicality of it. Mm. And it looks like Bournemouth have come out on top. Benicophobia was a massive buy for them. Somebody come in and start scoring. I agree. He's starting to do that. It's something that they didn't have before. 
and that's a huge win for them. And Eddie Howe, I love the way he gets his team set up. I like the way that they play football. It's pleasing on the eye. It's not, you know, it's not for everyone. It's maybe like you want to see get bowled a little bit more. There's all different types of ways to play football. I particularly like Eddie Howe yeah. and the style of football that he plays, and that's a huge win. For Great win last night for the Cherries. 58 years since we've beaten them, and boy, does that feel good. Great atmosphere, probably akin to the, the Bolton game. Um, EG's player, outstanding. Uh, I think the team was a man of the match. Great pressing, high energy first half, tied to second. But um, I think both teams, in, you know, on the whole, contained each other quite well. Very, very defensive, trying to restrict chances. But we took our, our goals well and scored them at the right times. We needed that second. And uh, with the results going our way, certainly last night and Saturday, I think that's a pivotal result in our season. And uh, roll on Saturday up the Jerry's. Hello, back in the net, boys. This is Gary Chapman here from the North Stand. 58 years I've been waiting for that. 58 bloody years. Absolutely marvellous. I've got no words to describe it. And the atmosphere in Dean Court tonight was just the best. More of that, please. I like this Premier League business. Well, those were some fantastic callers. And whoever that last person is, you know what? I'm going to track you down and I'm going to name and shame you. What a phone call. We received that at 1.20 a.m. on Wednesday morning. So that was about three hours after the match finished. Sean, that was hilarious, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I love it. The mystery singer. Do you know, I'm actually, I'm happy not to know who it is as long as we get those calls after every win. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely super. Well, yeah, Bournemouth moved eight points clear of the Premier League relegation zone on Tuesday with that convincing win over Southampton. The visitors, they wasted an early chance when Charlie Austin side-footed wide, but Bournemouth took the lead, of course, with Steve Cook's volley, and then Benekafobe settled it with that near-post header after that Richie free kick. So, Sean, did you see the game? And if so, what were your thoughts? I certainly did see the game. It was uh, live here on early morning and it was just so exciting. The build up to the game. I love the whole, is it a rivalry? Is it a derby? You know, what is it? What What is this game? And, and people trying to play it down, others trying to build it up. I mean, and it just, you could just, you sense before the game that Tuesday night under lights, if the boys turn up, we're going to get a cracking game. And they did, to be fair. They went at them right from the off. Um, Austin's chance. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like watching that, watching that back, he sure have stuck that away. To be honest, so you know, like, uh, lucky we didn't spend. Was it fifteen million? Was it sixteen million? I don't know how much we were going to spend on him, but uh, it was just uh, what, as an occasion. What an occasion it was, and just the way that we played and we took the game to them. I just think was so positive. We started four four two, which. I didn't think we'd do. I thought we were going to be back to the one up top, but with the two wide men pushing in because of the whole midfield getting overrun. But that just didn't happen, did it, Sam? No, I mean, when you think about it, um, most of the squad, well, I mean, it was 4-4-2 all last season. And 4-5-1's been relatively a new thing. We've 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 obviously adapted to it very well. But 4-4-2, it was like players had a lot of freedom again. And... Uh, the tempo was absolutely impressive. Uh, I was really impressed by the first sort of 10 or 15 minutes. We were absolutely constant. Richie had that chance early on, right-footed strike, which uh, Forster did well to save. But I don't know how many corners we got in the first five minutes. It must have been a Premier League record, surely, because it, it absolutely felt like we were just all over them early on. And it got to about 20 minutes. Southampton had a few chances. Well, they had Charlie Austin early on. I think it was uh, maybe it was Mane who had a shot. It was way over the bar. That was all they had. But there was always that sort of threat that they may, you know, they may do something. And, you know, we've had games like this before. Bournemouth have a lot of pressure. They don't make it count. And I was thinking, is it going to be one of those games? But the goal 
came just at the right time, didn't it? It was, it was after about 30 minutes. Yeah, and the funny thing about it was I was so happy for Steve Cook because when I was back in England towards the start of the season, um, me and my partner Tasha and our baby Sky, we, we, well, the excuse was I was taking my baby to meet the players after training, which basically meant we hung outside the training ground for two hours and then I just thrust, <laughs> thrust Sky in the face of all these players saying, can we have a photo? But we spoke to Steve Cook and this was just after the Norwich game where he'd scored his goal, but of course we were already hammered by that point. And he didn't get to celebrate. And Tash said to him, was said, look, you know, we hope you get another goal. And next time, we hope you can celebrate it. So there was double joy in our household to see him reeling away, sliding on his knees, having just stuck one in against Southampton with a typical cookie goal. Yeah, it was absolutely typical. I mean, what was it? A couple of seasons ago, the overhead kick against Ipswich last season, that str- People thought it was a cross, but he, he meant it all right. With his instep, curled it into the top left-hand corner from an angle. I think that was away against Fulham. Typical cookie. Yeah, it certainly was. And a couple of things. One, I think Richie's delivery was absolutely spot on. Reminiscent of uh, Jamie Vincent. And remember his free kicks he used to take where we used to pretty much score or the keeper had to make a save. But I've got to say, Fraser Forster, I know he's been on this incredible run of clean sheets since he's come back, but... Watching it back, I know it's difficult for a goalkeeper because you have to kind of wait to see if there's going to be a deflection, but uh, my goalkeeper coach would have called it lazy goalkeeping. The way he just stuck the right arm out, like watching it back, he could have gone with two hands. Instead, last minute, right arm comes up and he just parried it straight back into the middle goal where you do not want to play the ball, which then obviously put it on a plate for Cookie. Yeah, that's right. It was, um, I mean, overall, though, an interesting first half. It felt really tense inside the stadium, but I was checking on Twitter and then some fans were saying how boring it seemed and they were going to switch over to watch something else. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, it seemed really nervous and tense. It seemed like a good game of football, but I don't know how it played out um, to you back at home. But in the second half, um, that was sort of less eventful, so to speak, because Southampton really... uh, sort of started the second half like they finished the first uh Bournemouth were on it um a lot of possession football how did it play out for you yeah I think the key thing for me was the fact that we took our chances when we needed to get a second goal and you you touched on it earlier there's been so many games this season where we've been on top and you think we need to score now while we're dominant we did in the first half second half for me if we got that second goal the game was over we were that dominant, but we needed that second goal. And, of course, we got another free kick, which I've got to say, watching it back... It wasn't, was it? It wasn't. I, he, 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 he did tumble over a f- slightly easy, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, but, again, Richie delivered the goods again. His left foot, magical. And, uh, yeah, Benic Phobia did well. But would you say Fraser Forster's probably at fault again? Oh, again, you've got to look at it, haven't you? He he goes and he hesitates and then he goes again. As soon as you hesitate, that's it. You're kind of dead in the water. But seeing where the ball ended up, it ended up right by that six-yard line. He's a big lad. He should just be coming out and cleaning everyone out. I mean, he took out his defender eventually. But And how brave was a phobie? In, yeah, got his head, never looked to see where the goalkeeper was, just kept his eye on the ball and... Again, you know, Afobi's, it's another goal for him. There's periods where you feel like he's not really in the game. I actually think he does a lot of hard work, and I think he holds the ball up really, really well. Um, but again, he got the chance, stuck it in, and then it was game over, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And uh, you're watching the highlights afterwards, um, you know, brought it all back, watching Match of the Day, and just, oh, fantastic. 50, 58 years, is it? Absolutely brilliant. Yep, definitely a long time coming, and I'm sure it'll be something that's remembered, at least until we play them again next season. So later on in the show, we are going to have the online review from Sam. So that's going to cover some of the uh, Southampton fans and Bournemouth fans, as well as talking about the Newcastle game. So that's coming up later on in the show. But first, beep, 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 beep. I think it's some AFCB news coming your way. Joshua King has the perfect week with a goal, great performances and a new arrival. 
Joshua King admitted following his starring role in the victory against Southampton that he had lied to Eddie Howe about getting some sleep prior to the game. And no, this isn't due to a George Best pre-game type tale, but instead due to his partner giving birth to their son Noah at 8am on game day following a 13-hour labour. King told Sky Sports, The gaffer did phone me and I said I had got a couple of hours because we needed those points and I wanted to be a part of it. With Matt Ritchie's wife also expecting a baby boy this month, let's hope this baby boost also keeps Ritchie's good form going, much like King's. Howe sets his sights higher following victory over Newcastle. On the back of a fantastic week for the club, picking up seven points from nine to give an 11-point gap from the relegation zone, it would be easy to think that the hard work is done. However, that is not the view from Eddie Howe, who when asked in his post-match press conference whether Bournemouth were just about there in terms of safety, he replied, No, it is not us just about there. We have a lot of work to do. And... We don't want to let up until we know we're safe. And even if we hit that mark, then we want even more. A late dash for a European place, perhaps? More youngsters secure contracts at the club. Following the announcement last week that a handful of youth players were given professional contracts, this week the AFCB under-21 pair of Ben Whitfield and Jack Simpson have been handed new contracts, with Whitfield receiving one year and Simpson two years. Whitfield has been enjoying a successful loan spell this season with National League side Kidderminster Harriers, while Simpson appeared on the bench for the AFCB first team in the FA Cup away at Portsmouth. Betting odds stretch as cherries edge closer to safety. Following the last week of great results for our boys in red and black, the odds on AFCB getting relegated have shot up almost as quickly as our points total. The Cherries started the season 8-11 on to be relegated from the Premier League, but on the back of the current form and points haul, they now sit on odds of 80-1 to slip out of the division. In fact, for those looking for a tasty little tip, you could maybe look no further than a cheeky punt on the team to finish in the top half of the table with current odds of 14 to 1. But remember, kids, always gamble responsibly. AFC B Club News. Yeah, thanks, Sean. 14 to 1, that's not bad odds at all. Might be worth putting on a cheeky fiver for that, especially after our tremendous performance at Newcastle the weekend and what a game that was. Shortly, we'll be hearing your fans' thoughts after that game, but first, we'll hear from Radio 5 Live's Alistair Yeomans. They're also winning. However, there has been a goal at Newcastle. Alistair Yeomans. It's over for Newcastle. Charlie Daniels, Maisie Run, left-hand side, found the bottom right-hand corner of the net. Newcastle have lost. Newcastle won. Bournemouth three. Bournemouth will go on to 35 points. They will actually go above Crystal Palace. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sean. It's Mike from Ferndown. Um, not really got much more to say on the game itself, that's been said a lot, we all know how wonderful the performance was, but this is more about the day as a whole itself, that's got to rank in the top two of away days following Bournemouth. Um, everything from the stewarding, uh, the police, the locals, the pubs, the stadium, uh, was just out of this world, it was a brilliant day from start to finish, from 3am to 2am the following morning. Um, it's a shame they look like they're going down, because I'd love to do the uh, trip again next year. Um, but I don't think they're going to stay up. No chance. They're going down with Norwich and Villa. Cheers, lads. Bye. Hi, I am Ben Phillips, a date from Bournemouth, and I am going to give you my, my opinion on the game yesterday against Newcastle United. I think the defence was very solid. King was absolutely fabulous. We created a large number of chances, which is very good in the in the Premier League, especially against Newcastle United. The away fans were very loud, especially in a 52,000-seated ground. 
and the home badge should not bother to come anymore because of how bad that Newcastle United are playing. So thanks to everyone who submitted their fan thoughts on that game. Especially good to hear the young lad Ben again. And Gaza with Lindisfarne on Fog on the Tyne. Classic song. And Lindisfarne, they did that great song, Meet Me on the Corner, for uh, all the music bus out there. Anyway, we always want your fan thoughts after every game. So do give us a call and there's a voicemail so you can leave your message. It's 01202 9010. 48. So as soon as the final whistle's gone, or maybe you're the mystery singer and you want to phone us up, maybe when the goal's gone in and give us the chance, why not? Or using your phone, there's a thing on there like sound recorder or voice recorder or whatever the hell it is. You can record yourself in the you know privacy of your own bathroom for all I care. And then just email that to fans at afcbpodcast.com. That's fans at afcbpodcast.com. You normally get to if it's a weekend game ideally by sunday night monday morning if you could send that through to us yeah fantastic so newcastle's premier league survival hope suffered a fresh blow with a damaging home defeat by bournemouth now the result increases the pressure on newcastle head coach steve mclaren with his job thought to be on the line Bournemouth started 4-4-2. Now, Harry Arter, of course, went off injured in the Southampton game. So Gosling just came in for Arter. And it was a pretty good performance. The first 20 or so minutes, especially, I thought we were dominant. Yeah, we were. And uh, it was actually 22 minutes in where the stat came up to say that we'd had 60% possession. And after the game, Eddie kind of referenced that and said that part of their plan was they knew the the crowd could turn and actually they wanted to keep the ball and just frustrate the fans. And they they totally did that. I mean, to be 60% so early on away from home was, was pretty impressive, really. Yeah, they looked uh, very, very frustrated. They had a few chances early on, but, uh, you know, nothing of note. But we just kept the ball. And uh, I think it was around the 28th minute where Dan Gosling then sort of steamed forward, ran into John Joe Shelby, and then Max Gradle picked it up, Sean. Oh, he did. And this is what I think we've been missing with Maxi. I mean, the speed of that guy's footwork is just phenomenal. So he, But he's also really, really strong at the same time. So he gets the ball just outside the area. There are three players in and around. Now, partly I think they're drawn to him because they know he's a threat. But... It was like watching Dancing with the Stars. I was waiting for Bruce Forsyth to come out and give him, <laughs> let's give him some tens because the way he twisted yeah. and turned and he totally did three of them and then lays the ball out wide to King was just, that's what we need. Maxi, thank you for coming back because that is awesome. And then to another player that is just absolutely excelling, Josh King. Now, it wasn't actually the best ball in the world. I mean, there was only a phobe in the box and he was deep, but put it in the right areas and you never know what's going to happen. And obviously Taylor slides in, bang, back of his own net, we scored. And there was that horrible moment for King whereby, how do you celebrate an own goal? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a, It's a funny one, isn't it? But he sort of wheeled off and even sort of Eddie Howe looked a little bit sheepish with his celebration. But um, that again just made it even worse in St. James's Park. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, on the TV... It's, uh, it was certainly picked up. I wasn't there, but from the from what I've been hearing, it was um, it was a torturous atmosphere. I mean, to be a Newcastle fan at the moment can't be great. It can't be, and it's pretty bad, right? Like from top to bottom with that club, from the owner to the chairman to the board to the managers to the players, just everything's going wrong. Having said all of that, the it was just the poisonous atmosphere around that stadium, there was almost kind of a sense of, it's a bit like when Van Hal and United, United fans almost wanted them to lose so they could get rid of Van Hal. You kind of got that vibe. Like yeah. they were just on the back of the players right from the get-go, you know, and they'd play a back pass to the goalkeeper because there were no options up front. Massive booze. The same player gets it another time. Okay, I'll play a ball down the channel. Massive booze. It's like, well, how are you going to win? And of course, it just played into our hands especially with us being able to dominate possession but uh, i'm just not sure about 
to that extent ripping the i mean there's 52,000 and i know everyone talks about what great support and from all reports from our fans it was a great away day and the fans were great to them and all that and i think it is a real sorry state that you've got 52,000 people turning up to watch that kind of football but i think they were our extra player during that game yeah, they really were. And it didn't get much better for them, did it? Now, it was quite similar to Southampton because we started the second half as we started the first and we did exactly the same against Newcastle. But it wasn't long before we got that breakthrough. Now, it was a long searching ball from Simon Francis that found Richie on the right wing, uh, played it inside to Graben, um, a quick exchange. And then he found King. The defending for that was criminal. There was no one near him. It was just amazing, wasn't it? When Francis first played that ball to Richie on the right... It was like, he's got like 20 yards, if not more, around him (laughs) in their third, you know? And it's like, well, if you're going to give him that much space, nice little one-two with Graben. Graben did really well, I think, there in coming up. But again, no one really tracked him. Richie picks the ball up again. It was almost like it was an attacking drill. And the coaches said to the defenders, we just want you at 60%, okay? Because this is an attacking drill. Mm. You know, when you've done those things and you're like, oh, I can't really tackle. I just need to kind of shimmy in the position. I think they were trying to play an offside line. I wasn't sure. I've seen under eights do a better offside line than they did. King just does a little half turn and then absolutely rifles it to the point where I actually thought it was going to go over. But it was just, boom, top of the corner. And he's reading away celebrating. I don't. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think you can sort of underestimate how good that finish was because... There were two places in my mind he could have put it. He could have put it to the right of the keeper, so gone, uh, you know, across the keeper to the left. But he just absolutely leathered it, and uh, it just sat up nicely for him. Yeah, it did. And I'm just so happy for Josh to get the goal. I mean, after, you know, he's just become a father and all that. But he had a lot of stick. I know we talked about it before. He had a lot of stick at the start of the season. And, you know, uh, to be fair, having watched... I watched virtually every preseason game and obviously all the first early Premier League games... He does look like a different player. And one of the things for me is his control. If you watched him when he was playing with Wilson in front of him, the ball would go up and it would just bounce off King nine times out of ten and we'd lose possession. Whereas now you can ping it and it can be three yards over his left-hand shoulder and somehow he'll get it, do a little back heel and he's away. And I just think he's just such an important player for us now. The one thing that sometimes gets levelled at him is can he finish? Well... Yes, he can. Yeah, he certainly showed that. So that didn't make uh, the, well, the atmosphere in St. James's Park was incredibly more hostile. Um, You didn't have to be a great lip reader to see what the fans were saying at times. The one shining light, should you say that, for Newcastle, probably John Joe Shelby? Yeah, I mean, he looked like he actually cared a little bit, didn't he? I mean, they did have a feeling of there's a lot of Newcastle players there that, They just didn't seem that interested. And, you know, football these days, it's now player power and all that kind of stuff. You look at a lot of those guys and you think, well, if they get relegated to the championship, in comes the transfer request. The agent's already on the phone now. They go and play for a League One side in France or they get go and play for another Premier League club. They're not really going to be there if they get relegated. Some of them will be because I don't think they're good enough for the Premier League. But lots of those players, I just don't think they care. Whereas Shelby... Put in a long shift, good shift. I mean, I don't know. Some people talk about he could play for us. Like, I I went to the England game uh, when I was back uh, last when Rooney scored his 50th goal against Switzerland, I think it was. And Shelby played. And he pretty much did the same thing. He drops really, really deep. He picks the balls off up the defenders. And then he looks to play 40-yard passes, you know. And he tried a lot of 40-yard passes in this game against us and you know to be fair the one that got the goal was a great through ball it took them a lot to get there but um i don't know whether they were seeing we were going 4-4-2 thinking if shelby sits that deep maybe it'll entice gosling or sermon out of position i don't know but at least he cared i guess yeah i mean could you could you lay the blame for that goal that we conceded uh, with anyone in particular ah oh, it's a hell of a ball <laughs> it it was an incredible ball and uh yeah i mean it completely split cook and francis there was uh, 
you know, I just thought it was an incredible ball. I mean, the finish was a little bit lucky, actually, because he kicked it into the ground. Um, but it just, you know, bobbled over Boric and, uh, you know, obviously 2-1. That kind of gave a bit of optimism for the home fans. But, they, I mean, they could have equalised. They could have done, but you didn't really get that massive sense of, uh-oh, they're going to come back into this now. You know, sometimes you're two up and the the home team scores and you get that, uh-oh, they're going to they're going to win this. They're going to get another goal, another goal. I don't think we panicked that much. I think we kept relatively calm. And again, I mean, I don't think they were really trying. I mean, look at Charlie Daniels. Just, I'm just going to get the ball here. I'm just going to walk towards the goal. I'm just going to slot it in the back corner and I'm going to run to the corner and I'm going to celebrate because we've just won the game. Do you think it's almost um, when an atmosphere is that volatile, fans are obviously screaming and uh, at Steve McLaren, throwing their season tickets on the dugout or, you know, whatever happened. Is it almost a case, do you think, of them or them sort of not even wanting them to equalise? Oh, I don't know. I think you, you do wonder, you do want, you know, like I said, with the Van Hal situation, I know United fans who were like, oh, actually, I kind of wish we lose this game because we want him gone. Yeah. And maybe there was a sense of this is it. You know, we've just lost 3-1 at home to little old Bournemouth and it's time for McLaren to go. I don't know. I mean, the best thing for me was when Daniel stuck that ball in and it was like a basketball game. You just heard the swish of the net and the silence and then the roar from 3000 Cherries fans. Thoughts on a phobe? How do you think he did? Yeah, um, again, I think he works. I think he works hard, and I think he holds up the ball a lot. So when we need that out ball, I think he's really dominant at picking the ball up, and I think that's a really good thing. You can give it to him; he'll control it, and then he'll bring the ball back into play. He didn't get a goal. He had one kind of chance where the ball just bounced a little bit too high for him, and he kind of scooped it over the bar. But a good shift. Yeah, superb. Well, there were a number of opinions from people on social media after the Southampton and Newcastle games. So now on Back of the Net, it's time for my online review of the last seven days. So if I asked you the question of naming the single best week that AFC Bournemouth had in the Premier League, some may consider the back-to-back weekend wins against Chelsea and Manchester United as being that week. But to me, it's been this last seven days, where the Cherries seem to find their mojo again with a home win against our dear neighbour Southampton, followed by an excellent 3-1 victory at Newcastle. I think the reason for this is that the issue of Premier League safety is less of an issue now as it was back then. This was the week that we could start to chill out a bit. So online, it's certainly been a great place to be. There's been lots of positivity and the opportunity to lord it up over our rivals in a carefree manner, and it's certainly one that our fans did not pass up the opportunity on. Up the Cherries 15 on Twitter put together a nice banner with The South Coast is ours, much to the mirth of the Southampton fans who continually declare that we are not their rivals and that the derby is nothing but an inconvenience for them. Thankfully their players also seem to regard it as an inconvenience as a very obtuse performance from the away side meant that AFCB strolled away 2-0 winners. Whilst the majority of Saints supporters were unriled by what they considered a temporary blip, there were others, however, who had a more extreme view, as one of the Twitterers, Tory Tom, claimed that Bournemouth were not only Timpot, but they are also hashtag worse than ISIS. Bit harsh, Tom. Now, we continually offered Tom the chance to come away from his keyboard and feature on the podcast, and this was his response. So, yeah, cheers for that, Tom. So with Steve Cook and Benicafobe grabbing the goal-scoring plaudits, the Tuesday night Cherry's Twitterati were out in force. Indeed, Neil Whedon was one of the first to react by saying, Wondering where all the Saints FC creativity was last night? It was on the message board. And then he quoted from the Saints web message board where one of the Southampton fans was in conflict with a goading Cherry's fan before finally giving up, responding by saying, Shut up, you hoo bung Nice. It wasn't all nasty though, and some fans were very gracious in defeat. Glenn Jones on Twitter said, LOL, we got proper bent over and spanked last night, but I do hope AFCB stay up, they've got mad lights and stuff. And then there was also a tweet from Daniel Woodland. Now, by the way, Dan was the Saints fan from Bournemouth who took a dizzy penalty at half-time and fell over about five times before miskicking the ball. He said, that penalty summed our night up, but you boys deserved it. Just a little help from Mike Dean helped. 
Mm, whatever you say, Dan. So, for a few days, we could rub it into our Saints friends, work colleagues, and Twitter followers alike, which certainly made the remaining three day work week pass very quickly. And then the attention soon shifted onto the match against Newcastle United away, with many Bournemouth fans not really knowing what to expect from the game. Thankfully, we rolled out 3-1 winners and after a dominant performance, there was a distinct lack of rubbing the Geordies' noses in it as many fans were quick to point out that most Toon supporters were a very good bunch and they were the victims of being fans of a club that is owned very much by a megalomaniac and managed by what a Newcastle YouTuber described as, amongst other C-words, a chump. Stu Brownley on Twitter said, Sometimes their sense of entitlement irks me, but you can't fault their support and passion for that club. And Mike, also on Twitter, said, Completely agree. That was the friendliest away day ever. Friendly police, friendly stewards, good pubs, and a Toon fan even shook my hand. And James Rood added, I feel really sorry for NUFC fans. It was the poorest football I've seen. Not nice for anyone. Quite interestingly though, some Newcastle United fans came in from some criticism from the Cherries fans as slow down Derek on the Vital Forum said, If you ever wanted a lesson on how not to support your team, this was it. They started on their players early and never let up. At times it was like each player had a shot clock where the fans would barrack them if they didn't do something with the ball straight after receiving it. If any pass was not progressive, they would get grief. There was no way Newcastle would be able to build pressure by simply keeping possession and probing like we do because their fans would be giving them stick and effectively forcing them to lump it if there were no options. And if you listen to the All Departments podcast, George James said exactly the same thing. The players are terrified because of the pressure from the fans. Anyhow, we should be talking more about us and not about them. The away side reaped a lot of praise, including some kind comments from a certain former Newcastle manager, Alan Shearer. He tweeted that AFCB showed exactly what Newcastle are missing. Desire, passion, hunger and a lot more. And there was also a lot of positivity from AFCB fan and talk sport presenter Tom Latcham who said, If the league had started on December the 1st, we would be above Man City. Not too shabby. So with 35 points in the bag and 9 games to go, after the game there were plenty of Bournemouth fans trawling through the Twitter timelines of previous predictions from fans of other clubs who said that we would not survive for 2 seconds in the Premier League. Here are some of the best of them. Schemes tweeted, I think Derby County's record low points total is under threat from Bournemouth. Great story, a proper fairy tale, but they're sh**. And SK23 added, I can't wait until Bournemouth get relegated. And Jack tweeted, It doesn't really matter. A Timpot club like Bournemouth will come straight back down. Jack, incidentally, is a fan of Spennymoor Town. Let me just check what division they're in. No, can't find them. It was certainly a very mirthful time to be reading those tweets and dishing out a like here and there, a retweet there and here. Nothing like rubbing other fans' nose right in their own knee-jerk comments. We're nearly safe and the pressure is almost certainly off, so hopefully the Cherries can now start to play with the freedom and creativity that we all know they can do. Peter Bell on Cherry's Chimes spoke about the pressure, exclaiming that if there is any pressure, it's certainly a good pressure. The problem Eddie Howe now has is a nice one. He has to try and keep the players motivated and put pressure on them to keep their place in the side. It is perhaps why he is not set at the team a points total, or at least not publicly. If that total was reached, the team may switch off, and he, like all the supporters, wants ASCB to win as many games as they can. Well said, Peter. So what a week we've had. A great home win followed by a great away day after. As we heard, the Newcastle people, on the whole, were very, very kind to the Bournemouth fans and complimentary about the way we play. And as we heard earlier on, Mike Brannan called in to say that it was one of the best away days that he's been to. However, one Geordie fan wasn't so kind about Bournemouth after the 3-1 defeat. Kid with Eye on Twitter said, Absolutely embarrassing to lose in that manner to what is essentially a Sunday League club dark days indeed. So with that comment and with that comment only in mind, kid with eye, we're having the last laugh. So in the style of Biker Grove. Hi, this is the biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Supporter profile. Please state your name. It's Gally, Sky Blue Cherries. Where do you live? Uh, I live in Bramscore, near Christchurch, Dorset. 
first Bournemouth game attended? From memory, uh, the most memorable one, uh, early days, would have been in, uh, against Newcastle at home when Nick Quinn rattled one in from the edge of the penalty box for Newcastle and I think Paul Morden scored two goals, one of which was an exquisite chip from about 25 yards out over the goalkeeper um, at the home end. That's the most memorable first game. Um, if there was a first game before that, it wasn't as memorable. Favourite player of all time and why? It has to be um, a current player and it has to be Callum Wilson. Um, because he was born and bred in the city of my birth, Coventry, and because he was recruited in order to take us um, through the Championship into the Premier League. And he, alongside the rest of the squad, made it happen in the first season that he was with us. Uh, he's a very humble guy, a genuine guy, and that's why he would be my first, uh, and uh, sorry, my most favourite player of all time. And there's been a few, but he gets it. Favourite current player and why? Um, that would have to be um, Callum Wilson. Um, no, he is the favourite current player. <laughs> favourite past player then, if I was to answer that one, it would have to be Luther Blissett because he scored some phenomenal goals. But the favourite current player would have to be Callum Wilson. Favourite all-time AFCB game? Um, God, that, that's a really tough one. Because um, there's so many, most recently. Um... It's too easy to say Bolton um, because of what it uh, what it meant, um, but I would probably say um, it was West Ham uh, this season because it was the first win in the Premier League and a certain player scored a hat trick. Best moment as a Bournemouth fan. Um, Charlton was special to be at Charlton um, and to um, to be comfortably winning and then to watch the uh, the sideline, to watch the bench uh, start to get excited when the news came through that Sheffield Wednesday had equalised at Watford. That was very, very special. Also remember seeing from that game when we went 3-0 that, uh, that Eddie just uh, pointed at Sermon and, and told him to organise the team to score two more goals because that would have taken us to 100 for the, um, for the, for the league season. So that was a special moment. Charlton, I would say. If you could sign any player, past or present, who would it be and why? Um, I had a great affinity and liking for um, uh, Leo Ferdinand um, because he was class and culture, cultured on the board. And uh, he was also, or certainly sort of become a leader. Um, and... Um, if he could have stayed at Bournemouth, then or if we could have re-signed him, then that would have been uh, that would have been uh, my choice. Your chart of choice. Um, I'm going to be a bit uh, controversial here, maybe because I think we should change the Callum Wilson chart. Um, we should change it to to something that resembles the um, the Sky Blue song. Um, to the tune of the Sky Blue song, which is the Eaton Boating song, boat, boating song. and it should um, the words of which I'm still working on, but it, uh, it should certainly change for Callum Wilson so that he recognises the uh, the uh, the play up um, Sky Blues play up Callum Wilson. Uh, when he scores, we will never lose. Um, Southampton or Chelsea, United or anyone, they shan't defeat us when Callum is the scoring one. Badly constructed, but off the top of my head, that was all I could come up with. Stadium expansion or new ground? Um, stadium expansion to, to 20,000 would be acceptable on the current footprint. Um, so, yeah, I'd go with that. What league position will we finish in this season? 14th probably and 11th would be an absolute dream. 
thanks to Gary Sky Blue Cherries there for being this week's supporter profile. If you would like to be a supporter profile on future episodes of Back of the Net, just drop us a tweet or send us a Facebook message or do whatever you need to do to get in contact with us. We don't care. But yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your answers to those pressing questions. Now, coming up very, very shortly, we're going to tell you how you can win two tickets to this week's game, AFC Bournemouth versus Swansea City at the Vitality Stadium. That's thanks to Mansion, the official shirt sponsor. So stay tuned for that. But first, here's this week's feature where Sam delves into the world of fan chants. So on Tuesday night, I was walking along Holdenhurst Road towards the Vitality Stadium as Bournemouth took on Southampton at Dean Court. And speaking of Holdenhurst Road, it made me reminisce somewhat thinking about that road because, of course, it's mentioned in that chant that goes, Oh, me lads, the shirt of scene is coming. Going along the Oldness Road to sing, I'm ancient praises. Now, I'm not going to sing the whole thing because I'm, I'm no Will Young, put it that way. But it made me reminisce somewhat about some of the old chants that we had as AFC Bournemouth fans. Now, Kerry Payton, on episode one of Back of the Net, in her supporter profile, mentioned the Builder Bonfire chant that went something along the lines of this. Now, I think I'll talk over this bit because it got fairly rude towards the end, but Reading were on the top, Southampton were in the middle, and then we decided to burn all of it, but uh, we said it in a slightly different way. Now, I'm 34 years old, and I was born in 81. I started going to Dean Court when I was about 10, so, yeah, 91. There were a lot of chants that are probably before my time, but there were many chants that I remember going towards the last 10 years of the old Dean Court that haven't really made it towards the new Dean Court. And I went on a bit of an online mission to see if I can recall some of those songs that we used to sing at Dean Court. Now, of course, this was the backing melody to the aforementioned Oh My Lads chant as we were going along the Old Nurse Road, but there are also some other ones too. Do you remember Molly Malone? In Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty. Now, of course, what you're listening to is not a nonny solo by any stretch of the imagination, but it's actually from the Dubliners. A couple of Irish songs, quite interesting with that connection there. But yeah, it's a song that we did used to sing, the old Dean Court. Now, it did make an appearance at a game recently, but it never really caught on because the younger generation perhaps didn't know it. It's a shame because songs like this just remind me of being a Bournemouth fan in the 90s. Now, there are also some other songs. Do you remember My Old Man? He is a scummer fan. I said... I won't sing it, and I did use the bleep machine there, but I think you get what I'm trying to say there. And also, quite a lot of the songs do lend themselves to the amount of syllables that the manager or the player has got in the name. For instance, do you remember that we've got Melly 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 Machin on the bench, on the bench? That one seemed to go quite well at the time. And of course, as Steve said on Twitter, something that's not been heard in a while is, you're going home in a Boscombe ambulance. Now, I argued that it was actually Dorset that was said, but then I also argued, to be a bit logistically anal, that you don't actually go home in an ambulance, do you? Now, of course, you get football chants like this, which are fairly generic, which are sung by clubs up and down the country. And we've certainly got loads of those. For instance... And who can forget... And then obviously... So wouldn't it be amazing to have our own chart? Now, in January 2015... A group of hardy supporters, now I don't know how they get together and decide this. I think one person drunkenly makes it up in a pub and then the others just think, yeah, that sounds really cool, and then try to do it at a game. It started in January 2015, were exiled in London, posted on the Vital Forum. So a group of supporters started singing this song, and he posted, once everyone knows the words, it would sound amazing if everyone sang it. There was a good 30 or so of us yesterday trying to get it going. It makes a change to the same songs that we hear week in, week out. So, what chant may that be? 
Of course, it's the magnificent Eddie Had a Dream. And against Southampton on Tuesday, this is just an excuse to play it again, by the way. It was unbelievable. Lots of people were talking about how good the atmosphere was. Gary Chapman said it, Stu said it on Twitter. It was incredible. And there was a moment in the 82nd minute where all four stands were singing along. And we're going to play this out for this feature today. But this was absolutely magnificent. Well done to all the Bournemouth supporters involved. I know it's only a 12,000-seater ground, but it could have been 50,000. Magnificent effort. So what chants do you remember or which ones would you like to see brought back? We would love to hear from you. Give us a tweet. We're on AFCB Podcast. And if you've got any recordings, we would equally love them too. There's nothing better than hearing the raw noise of AFC Bournemouth supporters chanting away and some of those chants very memorable. Some of them you may not know, but uh, have you got a favourite chant, Sean? Uh, I always used to really enjoy walking in a mate in Wonderland. There's only one male Machin, he's fat and he's balding, walking along, singing a song, walking in a Machin Wonderland. And 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 you know the um Melly Melly Machin on the bench, that was originally was Harry 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 I Redknapp on the bench, I believe. Yes, of course, isn't it? But uh, my favourite, which we used to sing a lot in the South Stand and then through the through the North Stand, was the E-I-E-I-E-I-O, Up the Football League We Go. And when we win promotion, this is what we'll sing. We are Bournemouth, we are Bournemouth. Prince William will be king, was uh, what my good mate Chris Parker came up with. And that's what we used to sing for years and years. <laughs> and at the time, Prince William was 10, maybe? Maybe he was 11? Thinking, ha it will be that until we go up. But... Look at us now, how <laughs> we laugh on our younger selves. I do have some favourite chants because I was at the back of the South Stand and I was with um, a, a sort of small collective and there were some chants that never really got off and there was one that I will always remember that a couple of us tried to start but it never really caught on. It was when Richard Hughes was playing for us and the uh, chant went to the sort of melody of uh, Robin Hood so it went, Richard Hughes, Richard Hughes, running down the wing. I could carry on, but I'm not going to. I've already uh, been voted <laughs> off by Simon Cowell. But, um, yeah, do you remember that? Uh, I don't never, I never heard that. I'll probably, I probably did, actually, and just probably turned it off. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd, we'd, we'd be really interested to know your thoughts on the, the chants and songs. I know often there's talk online around, oh, we should sing this, we should sing that. So, you know, if you're really brave, press record on your phone, sing your, your chant, email it to fans at afcbpodcast.com, and maybe we'll put a little compilation together of what us fans really want to be singing. Yeah, and you never know the chant could catch on over the next few days, so much so it's going to be sung across the Vitality Stadium at home to Swansea. And what a game that's going to be. It's not so important as it once was, Sean, would you say, after those two wins that we've just had? Oh, I don't know. I think, for me, I think it's really, really important. I think both teams are going to be fired up because this is, you know, given the points, 38 points, I know they talk about 40 points, but 38 points, I mean, you know, we win, there's our 38, potentially we go above Watford, which would also be quite nice, wouldn't it? Seeing as how well they've been doing all season for us to suddenly get up. But I think it's going to be a a really good game of football, firstly, but I also think both teams are really going to want to pick up those three points. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, I think I think we'll go four four two. I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't. Uh, I think it will be an unchanged lineup, to be honest. And if I was going to give a prediction, I'm going to go for another two nil again. I said that, by the way. I said that for the Southampton game, and I was right. I was right. I know. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I went two one, but I I also again I did state we would smash the tune. <laughs> yes, and... you did. I think we did. So, mate, so we're on a we're on a really good run after my failed goal fest of the Watford game. But no, I think it's going to be an interesting game of football. I I think we will stick four four two. I I I still think 
we're going to... I don't know if we're going to play 4-4-2 when we play the bigger clubs. I just don't know. Maybe we've got a renewed energy and maybe now we're a little bit safe. Maybe we will stick with it. It didn't work so well early on. It'll be interesting when we've got a really strong midfielder up against to see whether Eddie does stick with 4-4-2 or whether he changes it. But no, I agree with you. I would imagine we're going to be very similar to what we saw. Are we going to see a turbo? Mm, who knows? Who knows? I saw... I saw he posted a, a Instagram photo in his training kit and, and ready to go. So he's obviously still pretty keen. So maybe he'll get unleashed. And, of course, there's also one eye on Callum Wilson watch. Yeah. Uh, when's that going to be? I've seen murmurings on Twitter two or three weeks away. Wouldn't that be great if he could get a game before the end of the season? Oh, how I've missed him. Yeah. A Fobe, King, Gradle, Wilson, Richie, oh. Turbe. Pew, oh, Ranty. That sounds... Oh! oh. Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so anyway, it's a, bit, it's a massive game. I think it's going to be a really great game of football. It's going to be a good atmosphere. And if you haven't got those very sought-after tickets to the game yet and you're listening to this pre-Thursday night, then you are in with the chance to win two tickets to this game. Yeah, it's an absolutely massive prize, courtesy of Mansion, our beautiful shirt sponsors. All you need to do, Sean, is go to our Facebook page. What's the address? It's www.facebook.com forward slash AFCB podcast. And what you need to do, there's two things. One is give that page a like, which is a big thumbs up. So that means you'll never miss any news about back of the net. But secondly, there's a post there, which is the competition post that you'll see as you scroll down the page. You need to comment on that post by tagging in the person you would take with you should you win those tickets. Yeah, and, uh, well, good luck to everyone who enters. And cheeky tip, if you get the person who you want to take with you to like it as well and do the same thing, you're in with double a chance. But if you want any more information on that, go to our website. It's afcbpodcast.com. But, yeah, just head over to Facebook and do as Sean said. And the very, very best of luck to you. Yeah, there's also a video we put, which is to promote it. And a little disclaimer, because Gary Chapman gave me a little bit of stick <laughs> over my performance. It was done very quickly. And I had a baby asleep in the next room. So rock and roll. So I had to be a little bit more withdrawn. Whereas, you know, Sam, young, no kids, <laughs> cut loose. It was probably midnight. He'd probably been drinking vodka for at least four hours. So he was a lot more animated. But there is also another video, which is... Um, I think we'll drop uh, on the listeners where there was a couple of things went wrong during recording. Uh, obviously, Sam made a bit of a balls up and then I tried to record outside. And all I would say <laughs> is that when you're in a public park trying to record and it's a, it's a place where dogs are allowed to, <clears throat> you know, express themselves. Sometimes that doesn't make such good filming. So we'll drop that on our Twitter and on our uh, Facebook and probably on our website as well. Hi, I'm Jimmy Glass, and this is Back of the Net. So this has been episode three of Back of the Net, and remember, we want your fan thoughts after the Swansea game. Remember, you can give us a call on 01202 90 10 48, or if you've got a voice recording app, just record a note and then email it from your phone to fans at afcbpodcast.com. We really want to hear from you. Yeah, and to get all the latest news on the show, just head anytime, 24-7, because that's how the internet works, to www.afcbpodcast.com. So we have uh, a blog, I think. There's something on there. Sam's the web guy, but there's all sorts of fun stuff you can check out, as well as information on upcoming shows. You are, If you're on Twitter, at afcbpodcast is the place to go, because we like to tweet quite a bit. And good old Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash AFCB podcast, which is where you can win those two tickets to the Swansea game if you are quick. So head that way. Otherwise, that's been it for this week. And as some famous guys once said, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> I don't think that's it, Sam. Uh, I think I get a goodbye somewhere as well. Anyway, regardless of how we say goodbye, we're out of here. You can put your headphones down now and get on with your daily lives. Up the cherries. Let's get another big victory at the weekend. And we'll be back next Tuesday for Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
Ritchie. And beyond Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.